Welcome back for another episode. Hopefully you've had a chance to check out at least one of the episodes um, from last week from the official launch of the Pursuit of Freedom podcast. I'm so excited that it's finally out there. But today we are talking to Elijah Drown and it is such a cool conversation. We cover so many topics. I think you're going to get a lot of value. We talk about career changes. We we um, challenge if you need a why. We also talk about the nine to five and that actually sometimes it's the best choice for you. Elijah also goes deep talking about co-parenting and some of the challenges that he's working through on that. So find somewhere comfortable, listen up and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to the Pursuit of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Rosie Burrows, and I'm on a journey to find my freedom so that I can help you do exactly the same. Join me each week as I share the stories of everyday people who have found their own path to freedom. I'm not going to focus on job titles and accolades because I don't care about that stuff and neither should you. I want to uncover what truly makes you tick. Who are you when you step away from society's expectations and follow your heart? I still haven't figured it out yet. Have you? Either way, buckle up because it's going to be one hell of a ride. Well, Elijah, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. Um, I know it's sort of, it's evening for you. So thank you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice 10 a.m. here for me, but a bit later for you. Just got um, some coffee in you. Should be okay. Me, I'm, I, I'm trying to keep my eyes open. I'm not that old yet, <laughs> so I can make it till nine. We're good. We're good. <laughs> All right, let's do this, eh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, to start off, I'd love to hear more about your podcast because you launched the Job Pod back in November last year, I believe, if I've got that right. Um, And you've got about 15 episodes and I noticed you just launched the first part of your um, three-part mini-series at the moment, which is really exciting Mm -hmm. about seeing things differently. Um, But can you tell us a bit about the podcast and the journey to to just deciding to do that? Went to school for radio broadcasting, similar to journalism, but it's just specific on producing and making commercials and copywriting and the business stuff and then being uh, that radio DJ host. And and that started way back in, geez, 2002. So mm. that's, we'll just assume that I'm younger, but uh, for now, that's how it is. And young uh, age, I decided to try the co-op thing and learn radio and do all that, but it's very... Um, political. It's hard to get into and the mm-hmm. money's not there if you're just starting out. I wanted to have a family and so I went to the finance route, uh, corporate, and that's where I kind of found myself doing, fast forwarding a lot to doing different uh, podcasts, one called Nerdy by Nature. That was fun to do with, you know, kind of geeky stuff and translated from nerdy concepts into English for regular people. And then there's other podcasts just for fun. And that internet radio station way back that you saw that tried with some friends and doing some radio before Spotify was even thought of as a conception. Just always loved the radio thing and putting things together, talking to people, getting to know them. And then it came to LinkedIn where I just kind of threw it out. I I was missing that creative outlet to have the podcast. And I said, hey, guys. Anybody think that a creative uh, a career podcast would be cool? And I got about 50 comments saying resounding yes. I said, oh, why not? Three weeks later, I popped it together and off we go. So I didn't have a ton of planning and prep, but I've done it before. So I kind of just 
go. And then I just hammered out a ton of recordings and like you kind of batch recordings so I don't lose my mind if work gets mm -hmm. busy and, and then kind of go from there. Now I'm doing a, a three-part mini-series, as you said, with someone that talks about diversity and, and all that stuff to really open your mind and explore. I just want to have conversations with people, real conversations, so they can figure out what the heck they're doing in their career beside the stuffy nonsense. Just honest, off the cuff, just we're chatting at the kitchen table or wherever you chat these days and just go for it. And you can, then this person doesn't have to keep booking meetings and answering questions and just, here's the video. Here's what we talked about. I'm a pro, have fun. And that's it. 15 episodes later, here we are. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, you mentioned, you, you know, within three weeks you turned it around and there it was. And I, I love yeah, that I, there wasn't a lot of hesitation there. My attention span isn't amazing and I right. get stuck on ideas and I'll just gone if people let me. So, yeah, that's kind of how it worked. It was busy, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Now tell us more about the why behind this podcast. You've sort of hinted at it. And I was listening to your origin story episode. For those of you listening to this show, definitely go check out um, Elijah's podcast. And you were you were sort of touching on how you had to admit to yourself at some stage that you couldn't be successful by yourself and that one of your mm. goals through this podcast is that others don't feel so alone. Mm. Mm. Can you tell me more about that? I learned uh, my career... Um, from the ground up without any business training, any finance training, any mm -hmm. of this, the scrum pro project manager nonsense, whatever you want to call it. It's not nonsense, but it feels like all those acronyms, blah. Um, mm -hmm. I, so I kind of grew up, if you will, in the 15 years I worked in corporate from just asking questions and figuring things out. And a lot of times I felt lost. It's like, what the heck do I do now? What job do I go for? What am I, what am I supposed to be doing? Can I be a manager? Will I suck at this? I don't know. So it's kind of nice literally finding uh, comfort in people that uh, will help and those who aren't comfortable asking for help. There's a lot of introverts, a lot of people that are in their head, anxiety, all that fun stuff. It's a real thing. So if you can just quietly kind of, I don't know, be that fly in the wall and just mm -hmm. push play and kind of figure it out. And then there you go. It's nice to have those stories um, that, that come out of them. You get interested in people, you get to ask them questions, you get to be curious, and you just get to shoot the, the crap with them, right? Just have a good time like we are and, and learn something. And for me, it's kind of filling that extroverted uh, quality that I have where I have to talk to people. I need to know people, especially with the pandemic stuff and all mm -hmm. that uh, lockdown, anywhere in the world are familiar. So it's nice to get out there and meet people and, and have some fun. That's kind of the last bit. Yeah, for sure. And I, I can relate to that. Like I'm not an extrovert, but I find connecting mm. with people so important and it just gets so lonely if I don't do that. And then giving people mm. a platform to share their story, I think is so powerful mm. because whilst, you know, our stories about our, are about ourselves, they're kind of not. <laughs> because other people listening to them can see themselves in our stories. And I think that's where it gets really meaningful. Yeah. We can help other yeah. people, inspire others, or maybe just help someone feel less alone. We're not necessarily right. solving any problems. Trying to find that why drives me nuts because I didn't have one. Eventually, Originally, I came to back to LinkedIn after a couple of years of a hiatus. I just got tired mm -hmm. of it. And I came back, mm -hmm. okay, I want to be a professional writer. Great. I did that and I go... And starting over as a freelance writer, isn't that fun? 
it's a lot of work, uh, a lot of high mm-hmm. standards, and you're not treated the same as you were uh, would be as uh, maybe a senior uh, employee in corporate. And that's mm-hmm. a tough pill to swallow. And do I really want to do the work for peanuts? Some people do. They're young, they're ambitious, have fun. But then I didn't have a why. And I just kind of found outlets while I was trying to transition between jobs and a career. It's like, I need to keep that uh, mind fluid, right? Like mm-hmm. all cylinders have to be crashing and burning at the same time kind of deal, uh, creating chaos. And that's where I kind of started that podcast uh, right. for other people. I was like, well, if I'm going to do something, I don't like to just do it for me. People have to, at least tens of people have to be listening for me to find value, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of where I got stuck in. Yeah. Because mm. these times of transition and change in our careers, I think we all face that. And I don't know about you, but whenever I'm, you know, in a period of transition, it is really scary. And something I've struggled with, I'm a bit better at it now, but I wouldn't say I'm a master, is, yeah, finding my why, which you were, you were touching on before. You didn't have a why. No. Do you think it's important to have a why? No. Um, people mm. go into LinkedIn and, and figure, well, what's your why? Why are you here? What's your purpose? What are you selling? Mm. And then it's just the digital rat race. You're just following right. into this trap where you're following people, you're chasing people, you're chasing money, you're chasing likes, comments, and, and we'll we'll just extend. But you get the idea. And that's kind of what I fell into. And then all of a sudden you see me go, gone. Um, I just step right back. Um, mm-hmm. When I get excited about something, I hyper-focus, go all in. Maybe it's ADHD. I don't know. But that happened. And then I just kind of had a bit of regret. Still in the comments, still in DMs, checking things out, having fun. But... It, it, if you try, it, some people are really good at that whole corporate business thing. Like, okay, here's what I do. I'm a coach or whatever. Um, I, I sell water for a living here. I'm on LinkedIn now, whatever it is, you know? And for me, I was just, I was just there to be social and help each other, mm-hmm. help people when I can. I like being a mentor. I like helping people. I was an only child. So I was always told that my opinion counts. So here I am on social media. I don't know why to each their own doesn't have to be a thing yeah I that's such a fresh perspective because I have always felt so much pressure to have a why <laughs> you know? do, I do think you it's have one do oh that's a good question I no and okay. I, I I get in my head about that you know I don't know if you're familiar with Simon Sinek but his whole thing is mm-hmm. you know find your why people buy why you do it not what you do um I don't have a why. And, you know, people say you should have one why and it never changes. And I just find that so limiting. I think for me what's important is that I'm creative and I'm having fun with whatever it is I'm doing. And that's always going to change. I guess you could call that a why, but it's not not very explicit. It's just an ideal. When you're a person or a company, people are going to buy something from you because they like you. They don't, you could be selling peanuts or stale bananas. It doesn't matter. If they like you enough, they'll find a way to figure it out. They'll give you 15 bucks for rotten banana. Like that's the kind of thing that happens. It's silly, but you get the, the point. If you go to a particular car dealership or you go to some sort of, I don't know, um, home builder, you like them. That's why you're going to them. It, mm. Maybe that's their why by, hey, I'm just good at this. I know how to build houses without them falling over. Great. But mm. maybe you want to do other things. Maybe you want to sell nails. Maybe you want to sell, I don't know, the flamingo stuff that you put inside your walls and whatever. But I really don't think that we have to label everything. And that's what we kind of do 
uh, with We're these influencers with labels, aren't we? Mm. Yeah, throw crap at you and, and labels and reasons and make up stuff about algorithms. Who cares? You're just trying to get attention. Go away, you know? Yeah. I mean, a little bit. Go find somebody else to bother, you know? That's yeah. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Get rid of the labels and the why. Forget it. Just relax. And I'm making an assumption here, but I'm I'm oh. guessing that your perspective on this has shifted over time. Like, did you always have this opinion of, ah, oh, who cares about the why and the labels? Or was this something you worried about a bit more earlier on? I've always struggled with conforming to societal mm. norms, especially in corporate land. I, I don't like the corporate stuffy three-piece tie. I can do a good job without having to pretend I'm like my boss so that he likes me or she likes me and that uh, we have to be similar and we have to talk about all these things and smack each other's butt and pat on the head. Whatever it is, you do. Uh, no thanks. Um, so I've always been that kind of uncorporate uh, mode most of my days, but I, I like to have a purpose, but also sometimes I feel we're just randomly here uh, by chance and circumstance, and that kind of gets people upset. So uh, that's kind of how I am. Depends how I feel. I'm on either side of the fence, but mostly I'm like, well, just make the most of it. See what happens. Yeah. And why do you think people get so upset with that? <laughs> with the opinion that, ah, who cares about the purpose and why? Why does that get people because so Because we're much? special. We, we mean yeah. something. We need to matter. If we don't matter, we're useless. We're, we're unimportant. And then mm -hmm. we might as well just, you know, figuratively take a noose and go, you know, um, and then off we go. Don't do that, but just mentally, that's how people feel. Like it's the end of the world. Flat earthers have taken over, and here we are. Uh, you know, that's kind of silliness, right? And yeah. that's why I think it, because it, it, really, if you take a look outside of all this stuff that you're busy with, you don't have time to focus on yourself, what's around you, what's really happening, and you just go, it's, it's fine. It, it's better than Xanax. Now you can just pretend that the world is just fine. But if you think about it, it's probably not. And it scares a lot of people. They don't want to deal with it. Yeah, so true. People don't like having those difficult conversations and, no. and facing the hard truth sometimes. Right. But I think I, I do feel for young people because there is so much, you know, and when I say young people, I sort of mean people still in school and trying to figure out what they want to do. There's mm. so much pressure for them to know exactly what it is they want to do. And, mm -hmm. you know... Um, I still haven't figured it out and people double my age still haven't figured it out. So who cares? That's my view yeah. anyway. My parents told me I had to get an education. I had mm. to go to college. They didn't understand. While well, back when I was in graduating high school, I had certifications for computers. So we had Microsoft and others, these networking or hardware certifications when computers were still kind of they, they weren't new, but they weren't like they are now, the tiny things, right? Um, so I think that I, I did okay. I made the best out of the communication aspect that I learned from, but I learned that I didn't love the radio thing. But if I would have went to the tech route, it would have been helpful to advance my career further because that's kind of where I am now. So right. to your point, uh, if people kind of force you in a particular direction and you don't take that moment to think for yourself or take a break or give yourself the chance to figure it out, will that path be truly um, straight or will you have to go back a whole bunch of steps to kind of get back on track and figure it out? Is that lost time? I don't know, but uh, it all depends on your perspective or just Very kind of shrug true. it off and go, well, that's life and here I am. Yeah. 
I, I think it can be dangerous seeing it as lost time because then there's all this regret and you, you know, mm. a lot of shame surrounding that. Well, I know that has been for me. And, you know, over time I've just learned things rarely go according to plan and that's yeah. okay. Right. Just sure. because you, you go in a certain direction doesn't mean you have to stay on that path. Things change. We change as people and maybe it doesn't work out how we thought. I saw your post recently on LinkedIn, I think it was last week, about Duke Media. You had a picture of a, of a newspaper yeah. article. Um, and I'll let you tell the story, but for context, you um, built essentially an internet radio station back in 2003. I think you were 21. Um, yeah. Can you talk us through how that came to fruition? And then I guess, did it go according to plan? One one guy was into business. Uh, one guy was uh, into coding, self-taught, and big into, I don't know, engineering, developing, uh, all that fun stuff before this AI stuff helped you out. And um, and I was the radio guy. Uh, mm. we, we came together with the idea, let's just do this. We were in a small city. It's creative, uh, theater, restaurants were great, um, and, and thought, just go for it. But Back then, there was no click and point and, and go. Like, you can mm. just drop something on the cloud. It was actually, you had to rent um, what's called a server rack or a, a computer. So they they throw it in, you know, there's big computers that are about this thin. They throw it in, and you actually have to rent that computer, put all your um, radio stuff in there, your songs and your, your equipment and all the radio software, figure it out. And we had to kind of come up with an idea we went for it and we said, well, we can't afford to pay um, musicians and the royalty, so we'll just go independent and we'll just ask a whole bunch of indie bands if we can play their music. Mm. But we didn't realize or have the foresight to realize that people don't care uh, to listen to the music they don't know anything about. They will sometimes mm. sprinkle it in, mm. but you want to hear the jams like the ACDC or I don't know. Um, Taylor Swift, if there's a lot of hardcore people, <laughs> not my thing, but there's a lot of people that, that cult following. You get it, right? Um, mm. They, they want to hear those jams because they make them feel good. They remember a time in their life, but you don't have anything to relate to when it's indie music. And trying to sell ads and, and things like that, uh, advertising space didn't really work. And it just kind of went to, um, it, it went to a great idea. It was a lot of fun, but we never really got it to a point where we went for maybe a year because of expenses, uh, you know, part-time jobs, that didn't, that was enough to pay for it. We weren't making any money. So eventually we just kind of said, forget it. And then went uh, our separate ways. But learning from that was, was pretty cool and kind of set, set us into, uh, I guess our future. One guy, uh, the business guy, uh, you'll see in the picture in the middle, he's off in the Yukon territories, way up, uh, very North uh, Canada, almost near Alaska in the United mm. States, uh, doing work out there and engineering stuff. And one guy, the software engineer, he's working as a CEO, uh, Northern United States, uh, different AI and, and contact center applications. And here I am talking to Rosie. So we did okay. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of surprises and a lot of things when you're 21, you don't really think about it. We didn't really have that business sense. Like there's some mm. people that turn into VPs at 30 because they're just bread like that but we mm. just went with a thing figured it out and we were kind of three lost souls just having some fun and see what happens but if we could do it again whole lot could change and do it today it, it definitely be more affordable that's for sure mm. yeah i was gonna say it 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 kind of sounds fairly risky like that would have required quite a bit of capital to get that off the ground and yeah. get it going 
even for us, yeah, paying a couple hundred bucks for the software and then a couple hundred yeah. bucks a month for the computer space and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's tricky. Yeah. And what we would you say? Lot, right? Yeah. No, I can imagine, you know, working part time and then trying to get this off the ground. But I'm curious, you know, what are we, 20 years on from them, something like that? Yeah. Um, mm. You know, looking back on it, would you do it all over again? Even though it didn't work out, would you do it all over again? Because I think something that stands in the way for a lot of people who have these exciting, innovative ideas or they have mm. a dream is they just get scared. Go, oh, I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. People are going to judge me. And then they never do it. So from where you are today, looking back, would you do it again? And perhaps what would you say to people who are on the fence a bit about trying something new? Aim to fail. Mm. Go, go out to fail. Just figure, just go. I've, I've, even in corporate, my managers will say, hey, just figure it out. And you just, your mind explodes, your body implodes, and you, you're going to have an aneurysm on the spot because it's just way beyond your comfort zone. But that person looking at you from the outside is saying, yeah, you, you can do it. I hired you for a reason. You're fine. I'm like, where do I start? I don't know. Ask somebody. Here's a few people, contacts. Good luck. And he's doing this on purpose because he knows mm-hmm. that eventually he'll figure it out and excel at it. Did, but it took a while, a couple months. It's fine. Um, so for people looking at, um, the failure is a bad thing. It's not because then you open yourself to risk. You open yourself to leaps of faith and you realize no longer does it matter if somebody says, no, it doesn't work out or it doesn't happen. And and then if you get into public speaking, talking to executives or, or big names, if you're going to do a pitch, a sales pitch, or I don't know, a radio show for maybe a public news broadcaster or something, or a big TV station, then you can go and just, who cares? It, worst case, they say no, and then you just go have drinks with your mates and you're fine. But if you don't get in that mindset that it's okay to suck at something the first time, you're never going to do it. Mm. And then you're going to be hooked on that, that pursuit of perfection, right? And if you right. don't get out of that, then it's always going to be all or nothing. Mm. That's kind of where I would start with. Mm. I'm just taking that in. I think that's such sage advice. and. So- People often see failure as the opposite of success. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what does success mean to you? If you learn something new, I think that's success. Um, and mm. if you realize that you could do something you thought you couldn't, that's success. But you don't need this fancy million-dollar car, Ferrari. I guess right. that's popular brand, Porsche. Um, I need these fancy cars. I'm... Uh, uh, convert this to metric because uh, I'm halfway in the middle. Um, <laughs> we just started metric in Canada in the 80s, and that's when I kind of was born. So mm-hmm. 196 centimeters tall, so Porsche, not going to happen. So <laughs> it, beyond those uh, anomalies and those silly little quirks that you might have about yourself, um, you, you just learn something new. And then you can just learn a little bit and then stack that on top of each other. It sounds like a giant cliche, but then you have this tower of stuff mm-hmm that you can do and you have these transferable skills, whether you're professional or you're self-employed or you're just having fun doing your own podcast like Rosie, then you learn something new and then you keep building on those skills and eventually you're employable anywhere. Um, And if we have economic downturns, you can just not going to be afraid to knock on somebody's door and say, hey, can I try to do this? I think I can do it. Will you give me a chance? Mm. That's a really good point. I mean, you know, this employability thing, because I, um, I used to be a teacher 
and I oh. I was only taught for two years because it wasn't for me. But um, a lot of teachers I find are scared to transition out, even if they're desperate to, because unfortunately the conditions and the pay aren't always that great. Mm. But they're scared to because they said, well, what else can I do? And I, yeah. I'm always saying you have so many transferable skills, but mm. how, how do we get people to realize that? You have to stop being comfortable. Mm. You, you have something that you know, okay? You love to see screaming kids, um, kindergartens, <laughs> mess their pants every single day. You hate it. You come home and drink a box of wine because that seems to be teacher culture. And then mm. you um, give the kids 300 donuts and you tell them to go watch a movie on Fridays because you're dead inside. That's not living. Um, and it's really hard for people to get past that. And I think that if you're forced to, I don't know, uh, remove yourself from someone as a separation and, and move on, or you, you have a loved one that passed away that you rely on, like a grandmother or grandfather that did all the cooking at, at Christmas time or whatever holiday you love. You relied on them. You counted on that. And you, they count on the, that comfort and that stability and that thing they know, but they won't jump outside of what they know because they feel they don't know anything. So that inner doubt, that, that self, whatever it is, that's talking against them, but just have to, if you really want to do it, just, you know, make sure your bills are covered for a couple months. Make sure you have the common sense stuff done. So if you have kids, they're not on the street and then mm -hmm. go figure it out. Go work some crap job, I guess. Uh, maybe cleaning up construction site. And then you'll realize, well, this really sucks. I got to go find somebody else. Get the motivation, figure it out, yeah. but they won't do it. And there's so many coaches or whatever they are, the people selling courses and trying to get outside of your head and all this stuff, just trying, because it's a big thing. So many transitioning teachers because they're sick of it, but they want the crap pay because that's what they're comfortable with. Yeah. This, yeah, this whole comfort thing is huge. And yeah. I, I'm a huge advocate for stepping out of your comfort zone. Like, I think yeah. that's where the most personal growth happens. I, th I think, sure, you can live an okay, fine life in your comfort zone, but if you truly want to live, I think you have to step out of your comfort zone. What are your thoughts on that? Some teachers may need to do some hard therapy to get outside of that child childhood trauma that they're stuck on. Nobody's ever mm. taught them in a positive way that you're better than whatever you feel you're good at. And right. if you just went into teaching because you didn't know what else to do because you like kids, like kids, yeah, there's so many things to do. And they go, what? Well, I don't care. Try something. And the sixth job that you try, you probably like better than the last one. That That's kind of how yeah. it goes. But yeah. Just, yeah. Just maybe talk to a professional that's not claiming to be a coach or something. And, and no no sweat on coaches, but there's so many people that'll screw you over. So go, go to this trusted contact soul that you know and, and get a lot of positivity. Some people encouraging you, not just because they're your friend and they want to give you that yes all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. that dopamine hit, but to get somebody, a professional that can help you dig deep and, and move on. Otherwise you're mm -hmm. going to be stuck and it, it's going to be bad news. Yeah. And one thing that's helped me in the past when I'm sort of getting in my head about making a change and, and scared to do that is, well, what's the cost of not making that change? Mm. You know, what's the price to pay if I just stay where I am, where I'm miserable and I'm, I know I'm not happy because so often and I think other people will be able to relate to this. So often I get caught up in, oh, what if this happens? If I make the change and, 
you know, I can't get work and I have no money and the world ends and, you know, drama, drama, drama. But actually, what happens if I stay where I am right now? What happens if none of that mattered? And I I struggle with finances because I rely on a paycheck every two weeks and I like the Mm -hmm. Excel budget and I get excited. My wife hates it, but I I just get right to the penny sometimes, try to figure out where I can save money, where where the dog can do whatever. And it's nuts, but if it was all gone tomorrow, um, you just this magic bankruptcy button, just get poof. You, You can't buy things for seven years, but whatever. And if that's the worst thing that happens, and you can maybe live with your folks or a relative or somebody. Just get a couple months, get back on your feet. There's a, If you have true relationships, true loved ones in your life that actually mean something to you and them meaning something to you, then you'll be okay. It'll mm-hmm. suck being in a three-bedroom apartment with 12 kids, but, you know, at least you'll, <laughs> you'll get by. <laughs> And if yeah. if that's your sense of adventure and you don't like camping, then it'll do. There's your summer covered. Poof. Yeah, very true. And I, one thing I would like to say is that I think we're all so much more capable than we give ourselves credit for. Shocked. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's the comfort thing. And, and a lot of people don't get that It's recognition. They, they either crapped on their entire life, people are toxic mm-hmm. around them, and they just kind of... Well, this is life. And, and they're very reactive to their environment. I've seen so many people just kind of take in whatever life gives them and just deal with it. Like shrug, okay. But if you don't just try to get ahead of it, try to change that course a little bit. Uh, click your heels together and take me home kind of deal from uh, the, one of those movies with the brick road. You know, you'll know that one. Yeah, Dorothy. The, the What's it man? called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know who. <laughs> I can't remember the name. Whatever. And somebody yeah. will uh, help you out with that name. I don't have the heart. But yeah. Wizard of Oz. There you go. There you go. Well done. I think so you're not that old. Called. Well done. Yeah. So <laughs> you, you get into this, I don't know, this mindset where it's just, it doesn't matter. Just get outside of your head. But how do you yeah. do that? Do we, you and I go around to people, say you matter? Is that what it takes for other people to go out of their way and to do that? Or do we just wait for people to say, hey, are you going to change or what? Because your life seemingly sucks from the outside and you don't want to change it. So I don't have time for you. Is that the right answer? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. So. I, I don't have the answer and I wish I did. I mean, what has worked for you in the past when you've needed to make a change and perhaps you, you haven't, like you've been in a, in a state where, you know, it's not great. What has helped you make that change? Um, to burnout. Um, oh shit! Take, yeah. take all these all these uh, <laughs> hobbies that you take on, like podcasts or writing or whatever you want to do on the side, because you may be bored at your job, or maybe something in your personal life is affecting where it's just not the same, and you want to just kind of avoid things. So you just pile up the work because you need a distraction, and eventually you'll poof. I'm too tired to do anything, and then you kind of go, "Well, I need to make a change." It don't wait that long, but that's kind of what happens. How do we yeah. avoid that burnout? Because I'm the same. I Often it takes me reaching burnout for me to pull my finger out and go, crap, I need to make a change. But how Take do we? Medication? Is that, yeah. is that a thing? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's a great question because you, you really have to focus on balance what matters and, and kind of take all the distractions out. And if you're not posting 45 times a day on social media, then you should be okay. And what do you, are you, like people say they don't have time to do 
X, read a book, mm. podcast, uh, make their own, I don't know, movies, uh, wedding photographer, whatever. But they're sitting on Netflix for four hours a night. So there's your sign, but they don't make that shift. So making that shift to doing something different just by incremental bits will help. And that's kind of what I've started. Okay, I figure out what sucks and scale everything back and then slowly bring it all back until I'm kind of figuring it out. It'll take a good long while, but at least I have that basis, like a diet or something. Eat the right foods, you're good. But if you have 45 pizzas in a week, then you're probably going to get fat again. You know, Um, that's just, the balance is tricky because if you don't have the the willpower or the, the tenacity, then you're just kind of, kind of stroll back there. So maybe you have new friends, maybe you have people that you rely on, accountability, whatever they are, and you just have some mentors just to kind of help you stay in check. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, one of those workout coaches that has muscles out to here. Maybe that's kind of what you need. (laughs) But yeah, I think, yeah, surrounding yourself with people who, you know, I think you said, keep, keep you in check. That's so important and something I've found really useful, you know, um, whether it, you have to pay a therapist or a coach or whatever to do that. But, mm. you know, for me, I'm lucky enough to have friends in my life who or a select few group of friends who can just hit me with the truth and go, what are you doing, Rosie? Like, there's a load of bullshit. Mm. You're not happy. Right. Sort yourself out. And it's not nice to hear. It's really difficult. But for me, I find that really helpful. So, you know, for those listening or maybe – you know, they, they know they're reaching burnout. You need to find people in your life who can give it to you straight. If, if they're a yes person, they don't respect you. Exactly. Um, so if you have somebody to give you the grit, uh, grab you by the bits that you may still have and say, you're screwed, you're stupid, mm-hmm. um, you need to change. That's the friend you need to keep because they're not afraid to hurt your feelings or hurt their own feelings um, right. to make a difference in your life. Right. Well said. That's totally agree. Point, Thank you. Yeah. Another thing I've found useful, this is probably secondary, but also very important, is getting clear on what's important to me. You know, I'd, I'd never really given myself time to think about, well, what do I care about in life? Um, but once I started thinking about it, you know, it became clear to me, actually, I really care about spending time with my loved ones. I lost both my parents young. So that's something very important to me. And also being creative is really important to me, finding joy in what I'm doing. Um, you know, and they're very broad concepts, but when I get clear on, okay, whatever I'm doing in life, I want to make sure I have time to spend with the people I care about. And I want to have time to be able to do creative projects. For example, this podcast, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, for example, I left, I quit my nine to five a couple of weeks ago because I thought, you know, I don't have the time to do the things I want to do. See you later. Mm-hmm. I took a risk and I'm just going to have to figure it out, but it made that big decision so much easier. So is this something you've found helpful or used in the past, getting clear on what's important to you to help you navigate life decisions? Yes. Mm. Um, being, sk- being still um, is terribly difficult for me. Um, mm. and, and when I started just reading or being quiet or just practicing sitting still in silence, it's um, unbelievably awkward and uncomfortable. Mm. But now I just, sometimes I just, not to be lazy, just because I'm just lethargic and I've ate uh, a bag of candy, but just mm-hmm. being still and just having conversations, being intentional. And, and 
that's what helped me kind of focus. Okay, well, does it really matter? If I can sit still and figure out what I need or want, then do I really need to do all this X, Y, and Z? And unlike you, I, I don't have a desire to quit my nine to five. I have in the past mm-hmm. because, you know, that, that particular job wasn't lovely, but I guess I found a way to kind of navigate and make it work for mm. me. Uh, but for some, they have to get out because it's toxic and cynical and they, they can't stand it. Maybe that's for you. I don't know. But people celebrate yeah. all the time. They have to do it, but it's it's you got to figure out what works for you. But to do that, mm. you really need to kind of avoid all the distraction. Just sit there. That Don't have to meditate or, or try and not fall over doing yoga in weird positions. Just Just sit and do something quiet. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, And you've said that, you know, quitting the nine to five isn't for everybody. And I really want to dive into this because I feel like, you know, this whole entrepreneurial thing, quit the nine to five, you know, stick it to the man kind of um, mindset is really popular at the moment. It's mainstream. And, you know, I, I kind of, I don't want to be in the nine to five. So I resonate with it. But I also believe it's not for everybody. It's not right for everybody. And it's it. what's happening, I think, is a lot of people are feeling pressured into, I'm not articulating this right, but they're feeling pressured that, oh, I need to go off and start my own thing. But actually, yeah. that's not for everyone. So what, I mean, you know, your yeah. podcast, The Job Pod, what is your advice to people who are maybe feeling a bit caught up in this you know, these social norms or everybody's saying, break the status quo, you know, go, go do different things. How do we, how do we, you know, silence that noise? Do you like your job? Do you, do you find an employer that wants to kind of, you know, you're always going to get the, the corporatisms. You're going to be, you're going to sound like you're going to be treated a bit like a number. There's going to be a big boss mm. way at the top of an ivory tower, if you will, that has no idea who you are. And that's just a thing, especially if you get these big conglomerates like these tech companies, Google or Microsoft or whatever. It's just a thing. Um, if you can kind of pick something that somewhere that has a culture that you respect and you resonate with, and then you just kind of figure it out. Um, I used to chase the titles and the jobs to get the promotion, but now I actually seek the job. I get a, I get the experience I want, but I'll mm-hmm. first seek the people, like the manager or the types, and I'll get to know them. Mm-hmm. takes longer. Uh, I could be way further in my career, but that base and that relationship is always something I've come back to. Uh, you can do a few extra things. Maybe they trust you to do extra items or Maybe a social media manager in another department wants me to edit their podcast. I did that last week just because I needed a creative outlet. So I actually worked more efficiently in an eight-hour day. So I had an hour and a half left over to help this guy out because it's something I can be a good boy. Here's my carrot at the end of the stick for me, and that works. But you're going to have to fool yourself into thinking that it's going to be roses. It's never going to be perfect, especially if you're you're willing to work for somebody else it's going to be their agenda and you're just going to have to be kind of that borderline peasant or robot or, or yes person be like, okay, well you want this. I'm going to have to suck up some of this, but maybe I can have some control. Where do you find out where that goes? And then for me, I I just tend to move uh, positions, whether it's lateral or to another department or up uh, the chain of command to get that experience every two, three years. So I don't sit and go, I'm going to hate my life. Uh, people sit on front lines of companies for 10 plus years and go, I can't stand another yelling customer at me because I'm going to, 
I don't know, smash my head on this fake wood on the desk. You just, you have to figure out, do you want to stay in one spot forever or can you have a balance? Maybe you want to move around in five years. I don't know. And just get different experiences to, to, to keep that interest. So not to say that you're going to hop around like a bunny rabbit and get distracted and bored, but you got it's meaningful, right? And if it's not for you too, then, then why are you there? But yeah. if you don't want to quit and you still can, dare I say, tolerate it, maybe you can find people in your, your company that will help you out, kind of steer around, okay, how is this going to make, work for me? And then you kind of figure it out. Um, or if you can't stand it, you want to be an influencer on social media, you can complain about nine to fives and go to Bali, hey, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. For me, is not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. <laughs> yeah. No, I think... I think that's really useful advice for people and I I really resonate with what you were saying. You know, whilst, you know, I'm not in the nine to five culture anymore, but, you know, you were talking about how initially you were sort of chasing the job titles yeah. and that I guess it's more the status, isn't it? But it sounds like you've found more meaning, right, and more yeah. joy through um, prioritising the workplace culture and the people you're working with, which I, I think is a really things. important point. In, in corporate language, we hate the acronyms you and I said before we mm-hmm. hit the record button, but it's more of a fit. Um, and that's what the corporate types use. Okay, I'll fit with certain types of personalities. And mm-hmm. uh, I kind of like this techie stuff. It's kind of new and interesting. I'll go check it out. Talk to the people that even the, you know, the analyst or the testers or the senior manager, go talk to a few of them to kind of get a feel, lay of the land. Because you, then you can feel out the BS, right? Somebody's going to play it up because they want somebody. They're going to sell it. And you can figure it out. So then you can be a critical thinking expert and, you know, off you go. But if you just ask one person and you're kind of nonchalant about it, you're going to get that in return. So I don't know. That's just me. Mm. If I can make it feel like uh, I'm not stuck in uh, as a nine to five monkey, I have some flexibility. I have some power. Somebody actually gives a damn what I have to say and do and in my opinions. And, you know, that's good enough for me. Not everybody's Mm. like that, like you said. it's so important finding that job with the right fit I think allows us to live our lives because we're more than our job title right Mm. um you know and something I want to change tax a little bit here because a big part of your life is co-parenting and you know I guess having work that gives you the space to deal with the everything else of life right there's a lot of a lot of other stuff that goes on outside of work So, you know, can can we talk a bit about this co-parenting thing and some of the challenges around that? Would that be okay? Sure. Can you give us a bit of background? You know, how so how how did you end up just, you know, an overview in this co-parenting situation yeah. and then maybe we can dive into some of the the challenges and tricky bits of that. Yeah, two three kids um 17, 13 and 12, two boys and a girl. Um, oldest is 17, youngest is almost 12. Um, mm-hmm. was diagnosed with autism last year, uh, or t- sorry, two years ago, which is interesting because I, I kind of have that, not autistic, but uh, neurodivergent sort of uh, mm. stuff going on. So it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, uh, the kids had came out young, um, 23. Uh, I wish I would have figured out kind of myself and kind of really got into, okay, what do I want to do, who I am? Um, what I want out of life and, and really ask myself instead of just letting my folks go, Hey, we want grandkids, you know, that sort of thing. 
um, it passed on with time. And uh, I think it was one time where, you know, my grandpa was going to pass. Um, and I had, I, I was married and I had my daughter in the same year, which is bananas. Wow. And, but he got his way because he, he left this world seeing me married and that's what he wanted. Right. But that's not what I wanted uh, when mm. I thought about it, which is kind of interesting. And then fast forward to last year, uh, kids didn't come for Christmas this, um, this last year, um, mm. three of them, because I, I don't know. So my, my ex isn't an amazing co-parent, we'll say, and she doesn't care if my kids have a relationship with me. Not her thing at all. doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, I struggle, you know, beg for communication from schools and stuff like that, and almost having to set my own uh, monthly emails to the teachers, and then that kind of just... It, was there was it was um returned with resentment there's always a competition there's always you know mm-hmm. if you don't um try and challenge good enough which i like to do like to try to give the kids a little something to look forward to or hey maybe you could try this and they just mm-hmm. ca- kind of look at me like i'm uh, the devil right so mm-hmm. th- the difference between us and our houses one will again be reactive to life and just kind of shrug off whatever happens and be ho-hum and i like to make something out of my life because my dad passed young so th- that's kind of my wake-up call oh i have to live right um mm-hmm. kind of all over the place but uh, it happened uh, i guess about six years ago realized after two or three years of just kind of th- sitting with this and figuring out do I really want to ruin, not ruin, pardon me, um, mess up or interrupt or just mm. put a giant stop on our day-to-day life as a norm and just kind of put something in the middle and just kind of throw everything um, to chaos. And, and finally I said, well, it's not healthy for the kids for us to argue at night, wake them up and it just mm. can't do that for them anymore. And a lot of people through these situations will put themselves first as parents, go to court and drag their kids through this stuff. But yeah. the real reason I had kids was to make the best out of their life. So for me to make that sacrifice, to take a step back when I know that I'm not going to do any good by being, um, uh, I guess, a, a strong personality and someone that kind of wants to live a little more than my ex is willing to live, then... I'm just going to, to create tension. And so I kind of just uh, almost feels like work relationship sometimes where you're a manager and you only put in so much work uh, as, as your employee will, right? That, that give and take. And mm-hmm. I don't give, I give a lot and I'm kind of chasing that, them down for conversations and relationship and, conver- and all that stuff. But they don't always come off as wanting to do that or knowing how to do that or being taught how to do that. And, and my partner now, she's very uh, strong personality. She always likes to live her best life too. So having mm-hmm. two of us saying, hey, let's solve the world together. Like, no, I, I'm, they're burnt out in two hours. And they're like, I need an eight hour nap. I want to go home. So that that's kind of the struggle. And it's been tough. And six months of therapy where you're hitting a therapist every day and she texts you back in, in, in you know, a day, which is awesome. And then every week for an hour, we just chatted about everything and, and dug deep. And that's what got me out of that hole and, and kept me going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then realizing I got to put me first. I got to make sure that I'm ready for whatever they throw at me when they're ready to come back to me because they will, they'll need money. They'll need their education fund. They'll have to figure out how to life skills. Uh, unfortunately, their mom doesn't have all those life skills, just wasn't taught that. And I've kind of just been curious and figuring it out. So here we are where it's kind of the flip side. You're used to, you know, hearing about fathers who just leave their kids. And, uh, and this time it, I, I think, 
you know, sometimes I feel guilty where I think I could have tried a little harder to, to get them back in my life. But then I remember that that was for me, not for them. And right. getting to do all the things like extras and all this stuff, like hiking and biking and whatever. And no, sometimes my middle child will go cycling with me in the fair weather because, you know, Canada is not fun to cycle in the snow and cold. But um, it will do that in the summer months uh, sometimes. But hopefully beyond just a happy birthday, we can get back on track. And, uh, it, you know, the text messages would be nice, but they have to be ready. And so here I am kind of figuring it out. Do I suck as a father? And I, it took a long time to get out of that mode and going, you know what? I just got to let it be, make the best of life, be as positive I can, and then figure out how to get my mind in the right space so that they, they if they hammer me something or life throws a curveball, then I'm not going to flip my lid and, and lose my mind. You know, that's, that's what we don't want to do. No. How's yeah. that? Is that, uh, does yeah. it trigger any questions? So many. I mean, first of all, thank you so much for just, being so vulnerable and sharing that because I sure. feel like this is something that's not openly talked about. But and it's I so normal. That... Unfortunately, there's so right. many people that go through this nonsense and the stress and they put themselves first because they don't know what else to do. So it needs to be talked about. Definitely. And I imagine, you know, I don't have children, but I imagine it would be incredibly tough wanting, desperately wanting to be part of your children's lives. But you know, I guess where they're at in their lives, they're not ready for that, you know, no, and or, or, or for or, whatever reason, whatever's yeah. going on there, it's sort of, it's not yeah. happening. And, you know, it, yeah. it would have been incredibly painful not having them there for Christmas. Especially when you're used to just taking that for granted. They're there. They're just there right. and you say hello and you have right. food together, maybe in the same room occasionally and when they're teenagers, you know, um, yeah. but yeah, that, that, that really hit home where there's that emptiness that some people mm -hmm. seek religion or whatever it is to find that vo void in your soul. But hey, that took a long time. It's still there here and there, but now I've just kind of not accepted it um, and been complacent about it, but just understood that it's okay, uh, that it's mm -hmm. there and then mm -hmm. just have to be patient. Um, and, and while I can at least offer them a more positive life and they don't have the stress of me just jumping at them all the time. Like, hey, look at me. Woo, let's go do something. And like, and no. <laughs> so that, that's, that's fun. It's kind of opposite to what people are used to, right? Right, yeah. And, you know, it sounds like you've been doing a lot of inner work to get to mm -hmm. where you are yet now. You know, like this has been, a, am sure, a tumultuous six years of figuring out, you know, how the family dynamics work and, and how you're going to be part of their lives. After therapy, um, I went from one um, emotion to about three or four. Doing good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's always, you know, it's learning, not learning. It was anger, right? Frustration, dealing with that and getting upset. And now it's like, okay, well, maybe that's just frustration, you know, and maybe it's not worth getting upset about and all these right. different things. But yeah, people think it's funny, but that's kind of, make it progress. Yeah. It's mm, good. Mm. Yeah, know. that's right. Moving forward and... You know, I think it's beautiful. You're doing the work on yourself so that when the kids do come to you, you're there, you're ready, and you're in the headspace yeah. to be able to give them whatever it is they need. And that must be really tough, you know, because I imagine it would feel like you don't have a lot of control over the situation. Not at all. Uh, it tried to do that early on, just trying to get some of that back, but it's just a tug of war. Um, because it's mm -hmm. always a competition or, uh, I guess 
it was a worry for my ex that she's always looked down on, upon. I uh, had, you know, family with rougher financial situations, so always mm-hmm. kind of looked at that. Not at the upper class, we'll say. And, and it's always that perceived notion and always thought because I was leaving, I looked down on her. Uh, and sometimes right. it may have come across that way, but I just, we just fought about silly stuff like, you know, mm-hmm. go work on your mental health or go find somebody to help you or do this. And it's just, mm-hmm. I don't want to. And just flat out, no. Um, it, there were other things, but that was a lot of it. And, and then mm-hmm. you kind of wind into this, this, this silliness. Um, I think that it, it just really takes someone to really think about what's important. And you got to be a bit selfish, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, whether you want to be or not. Uh, as much as you want to be with the kids and be a parent, uh, I realize that I'm not ready to let that uh, caregiver aspect go, uh, go and uh, not ready to leave it yet. Um, not ready mm-hmm. to part with it and to fill that void. Uh, I got a dog. It's a golden mm-hmm. retriever. She's a lot of fun. And uh, my new partner, she can't have kids. So this is kind of our way of saying, hey, let's do something together. Uh, make the world a better place by uh, by the dog licking your ear holes and sitting on <laughs> you every day. It's great. But you still get to care for somebody, a, 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 not a human, but a, a creature yeah. that deserves to be cared for. And, and they love unconditionally. And that's it, as silly as that thing is, you know, all over you and disgusting. It's it, it brings a lot of joy. And that, not to say it'll replace the kids, but mm. it'll fulfill that need of having to care for t- another uh, person or soul um, until they're ready to do their thing. Mm. Mm. And are there so, any yeah. other... Tips, I don't, tips is the wrong word, but are there any other nuggets, um, gold nuggets for people who perhaps are in a similar situation to you? You know, you mentioned you got a dog to fulfill some of that caregiving need and, and bring yeah. joy to your life. Are there any other sort of things that you've found have helped? Don't rush um, mm. into decisions. Um, don't listen to what other people tell you um, most of the time. Because a lot of people want to give you advice in tough times, and mm-hmm. eh, half of them are wrong. Um, actually, uh, one friend uh, that gave me uh, relationship advice uh, uh, used my name and my uh, partner's name um, to make a, give a reason to his now ex-wife uh, for cheating. So she said, oh, I'm just going over to their place three times a week. So you never know. I don't want to say your friends are all going to lie to you, but that's a perfect example about trusting people who may not always be right. So you got to kind of keep in your head and, and hold on to that moral compass that you have and, and figure out what direction you're going to go. Don't always listen to people and put yourself first. It's going to feel rough. You're going to be guilty. Uh, going to feel guilty. Um, but you have to put yourself first because if you're not happy and you're not uh, taking care of your mental health and you don't love yourself, then you're not going to love your kids or whoever is going to come right. back in your life. Right. And one thing I, you know, again, I don't have kids, but as a teacher, you know, I, I looked after a lot of children. And one thing mm-hmm. I would often say to myself before I made the decision to leave is, well, what? kind of role model am I if I'm staying in a situation where I'm unhappy Mm. what am I role modeling to these kids so perhaps that's something that people could find helpful if they haven't yet sort of left perhaps a relationship that's a bit toxic or or isn't working you know maybe framing Mm. it as well what am I role modeling to my children Um, you know like for you I'd like, you know, I'm sure you'd want your kids to put themselves first, right? So what better yeah. way to model that than actually do it yourself? 
Yeah. And then I come around and go, well, it's, you know, come with a, just a, a complete 180 of an answer that I would have given five years ago. And they look at me and right. they go, I don't, I don't know you anymore kind of deal. That's what they feel like because made right. so much change and they're kind of just, unfortunately, because I don't see them enough to teach them these things. They're just kind of just, you know, level, right? Yeah. They're not really growing that, that same way. And I think for teachers, um, a lot of them seem to have this, don't uh, punch me through the screen, but it's almost like a hero <laughs> complex. Like I'm doing a service because a lot of these parents suck and these children need a better life besides cookies for breakfast or nothing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I need to give them everything to make up for the loss that they have because they're just kids and they're innocent. Here I am. Yay. And that's a lot of pressure. I can't believe you're burning mm-hmm. out just, just from that alone to put 40 kids on your shoulders and saying, Hey, I'm going to change the world. And then you're mm-hmm. stuck in this mode of uh, this snowball effect or whatever. Maybe you felt that even though you're to- forced to tolerate kids for six hours a day, don't have kids. Um, I don't know if that uh, came up, but that's kind of mm, interesting for me where I go. Definitely. They'll be fine. Um, right. Ish. <laughs> yeah. You know, they will be. They actually will be. You know, the, might suck you're not the bit, only person in the world. Um, yeah. That's right. And, yeah. you know, these things aren't black and white. It's not like there's only one right of one wrong decision, but you know, if, if you're unhappy, there's going to be knock on effects there. So, you know, I think I really admire the fact that you made a really brave decision and it's obviously not easy and it's, it's a long game, right? This is your six years in and it's, it's still going. And everybody, uh, you know, close to me says, well, they have all these talking about I don't know, different fathers clubs and things in, in local areas, they're always talking about how they spend tens of thousands of dollars going through court and being worse off. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm not putting them on the, the, the stand to say, hey, who's, whose house do you want to live at? I don't need a judge to do that. Just ask them myself. And if they don't want to come over because it's weird and they don't have their friends here, then they want to hang out with their friends and play video games from time to time. Fair. Um, I can't stop them from having fun and having a little joy in their life. And if I'm getting in the way of that through this current situation... Uh, I, I'm not doing the right thing. Mm. That's how I look at it. I don't know. Mm. It's kind of weird to hear everybody in the world saying, well, you have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. Or you're doing it wrong if you don't do it this way. Or you're not seeing the kids enough or whatever it may be. But there's always, like you said, there's no rule. There's no book. Um, right. And if you have the best intention in your heart and your mind, then it, it's going to work out. Mm. How's that? Mm. Is that Okay. I think too, yeah, and too hokey. We should write a book. <laughs> goodness, yeah, I'm not to goodness hate kids. Me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a bestseller for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's at least the top one hundred. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think you know a key message here that I've got. You know, we've we've covered a lot in this this episode, but a key yeah. message that keeps coming up for me is that there's no one right way. You just said it before, and you have to do what's right for you. I think that's, you know, people who are listening, I think that's a big message. But is there a message you'd like people tuning in? What's the message you want them to walk away with after listening to this Stop caring so much. How's that? Mm. Stop caring so much. Not in a bad way, but just Mm. stop caring about all the crap. Right. Be selfish. Uh, Drink on the streets if you're allowed. You know, but uh, maybe maybe when we go to those... uh, 
whatever, France or, or Las Vegas in the States, I think you can do that in those places. So whatever it is, uh, maybe take the, the big kid stuff sometimes. Maybe you can go down the water slide uh, on your own, even if you're a giant like myself, and scream at the top of your lungs. Because yeah. if you're not, uh, nobody else is. Um, so have fun. Uh, don't listen to every, everything you hear and stop caring so much. Those are my top three for you. That. Yeah, I love it. And on that note, thank you so much, Elijah. I really enjoyed this chat. And um, let's talk really again cool. soon. Yeah. Okay. Tomorrow cool. work? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> sure. Thanks. This is awesome. Thanks for this. Appreciate it, Rosie. My pleasure. If this episode resonated with you at all, could I please ask that you share it with a friend who you think could get value from it? And whilst you're doing that, make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another episode. And whilst you're following or subscribing, please leave us um, a rating, preferably five stars, and also a written review. Doing each of these things is going to help this podcast reach more people and impact more lives, which is at the end of the day is what we're here to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Remember, you matter, you're worth it, and you are so, so capable. Take care of yourself, and I'll see you next week.